Unlike other clubs, we love hanging around for a home-cooked meal after a hard-fought podcast. Welcome back to FVS. What's this? Two pods in a week. Good evening, man of the people. Bud's up. New pod, who dis? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, um... What a big couple of days it's been. Um, big, big, big thank you to everyone that's listened to our Who A Triple Seven pod. It was um, a bit of work, a um, bit of behind the scenes maneuvering, but I think we executed it pretty darn well. And uh, it's now finding its way over the uh, Northern Hemisphere and being picked up by a fair few people in the UK as well. So well done mm. to us. Uh, congratulations to us. Um all credit to us. Yeah, um, keep, well, keep well your powder dry on the self self congratulation there, buds. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 spend a good good five minutes doing that. But uh, look, we're, we're four weeks away from the start of the forty seventh season of the National Men's Soccer League in Australia. Uh, soccer, Clarky, <laughs> where are the signings, mate? We're, you know, it, it, this is what the the punters out there just are crying out for the signings. FVS. Hasn't made any signings either, have we, mate? How are you, good man? Oh, I'm very well. Thanks, Dave. Good evening to you and good evening to you, Budza. Um, yeah, what a massive couple of days for FVS. What a way to start. Probably not the nicest way to start, but hopefully we can make you feel a little bit better tonight with some more of the content that you, you've come to uh, get used to from us. Um, signings, we got signings. Don't worry about that. We've got Daniel Azani to talk about. We've got Lydia Williams to talk about. We've got the reigning MPL uh, women's, you know, gold medal and uh, golden boot winner signing to talk about. We've got plenty of signings. No Shay Cahill, though. Uh, son of <laughs> Dollar Sign Legacy has uh, signed up for Brisbane Raw. We'll talk more about that a bit later. But what a show we have tonight. Uh, it, it's it's packed to the rafters. Let's dive in. So it's the first episode for the season, first episode proper, where we begin to look ahead. But the main aim tonight is to really get all of you vuckers out there up to speed on what's happened at the club in mostly a footballing sense over the off-season. A lot has happened, lots of ins, lots of outs, and this is the episode that will fill all those knowledge gaps for you. But before we sink our teeth into all of that content. We've got to talk about FES, the Patreon community, and how this whole thing works. There might be some new listeners on board. First of all, I'm going to welcome Naz to the community. And Naz, we will get back to you and help you out about your Discord access, this prestigious Discord access that you get as part of the FES community. Welcome also to MVFC 1998. If that was the year you were born, uh, welcome aboard, young man or woman. Uh, Chris McCusker and Jake Porritt, wonderful have you on, have you all on board uh, for this upcoming season. We've got big plans ahead, don't we, Clarky? The, the, the whole Patreon tier thing and what you get for your level of commitment and other things help inform our listeners what's ahead. Yeah, we're going to make a, a few changes. Uh, to things, nothing too huge, but we're gonna we're gonna change a few of the rewards and and stuff like that, and uh, it should be much easier for us to track and much easier for us to um, send stuff out to you in a timely fashion. So don't worry, Vux. Um, yeah, we'll just do a few minor changes with that, um, but all the Patreons are gonna get something a little bit new as well. So uh, stay tuned. Nice, nice. Yeah, the Discord, even though it's been the off-season, it's been a hive of activity. All right, you're listening to For Buck's Sake. Hi, it's Lee Broxham, and you're listening to For Buck's Sake. Now, gents, before we talk about everything that's happened in the off-season, let's take some time to debrief on that 777 expose that we published Monday morning, which is now making its way across to Europe where disgruntled fans of other 777 stable clubs are catching on as well as prospective fans of one Everton FC. 
How do we feel a little bit after the the dust has settled on that one? From my perspective, it wasn't pleasant to have to do what we did. But when you get the kind of information that we got, it was something that just had to be done because at the end of the day, we care too much about this club for it to be thrown away and mismanaged in any way, shape or form. Budzer, I'll throw to you, mate. How are you reflecting on it all? Well, um, just to give the, the listeners a bit of context as well, we recorded that Thursday last week. It's Tuesday today. Since we record, in between us recording it and releasing it, um, the agreement with Everton uh, went through with mm. um, with 777, um, and we must uh, stress it's not a sale. They still haven't put up any money or shown any money for it. Uh, there's been an agreement. Um, with, uh, what's his name, Mashiri at Everton. And then also uh, pretty much at the exact same time as we released the pod on Monday morning, Joey Lynch and uh, of ESPN fame, um, he released an excellent article that was chronicling, you know, the 777, um, the 777 season as uh We've seen it and uh, interviewing Caroline Carnegie. So there was a few good sound grabs and, um, you know, highlights from that that everyone should probably read as well. Uh, pretty balanced from Joey as always. And it um, both of those things, I suppose, held a bit of weight with us releasing what we released as well. And I dare say the club probably hated all of it. But you know what? We didn't do it as a shot at the club. We did it as a exactly what we said we were going to do, which was a fact-finding mission for us to understand a bit more about 777 and who they are and to educate the listeners and the VAC populace, as we always try to do with uh, with most things Victory, is just put the uh, put the information out there. You know, not everyone's gone to have, you know, caught uh, the Yosemar articles within the first 48 hours before they're behind a paywall um, like we did. A lot of people don't live online as much as we uh, collectively do. <laughs> and, you know, Guilty some people charged. just aren't. Yeah, exactly. And some people aren't as invested in it. But, you know, when you when you can consolidate everything and put it together and have someone as uh, eloquent with their word use and informed as Paul Brown was and generous with his time. And, you know, he's got a lot of things to do. He was he was marvellous. Uh to us and um you know what what he put down on on the record and you know everything was already on the record we just uh packaged it up and gave it to our fans and um a lot of people have uh, been enlightened shall we say yeah speaking of eloquence mate uh i tip my hat at the way in which you sort of framed the discussion in that podcast beautifully sort of set it up for paul to then bring us all up to speed on triple seven who i think it's fair to say my conclusion clarky i'll get your view on this as well it's like uh these people have no business near our football club and i think it's fair you know from my perspective i'm you know very much firmly entrenched in the notion that uh they need to go um and i don't care um that they have whatever percentage stake it is right now how do you feel about it all yeah, well, I mean, as you said, it's, it's, it was pretty eye-opening, really. I mean, just to hear it laid out just like that is is yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah, they they I don't want them around my football club to be honest. I I think we've we've done enough research into this, but um, the club was in a vulnerable position, and mm. uh, yeah, I think as we said on the podcast, you guys said there's there's still so much to play out in this, um. So it's it's really a watch this space, but it's just it's this it's this looming shadow over the football club that's already been through so much in the in the last couple of years, um, and especially last year. Now this, it's just uh, it's existential dread at times, really. It is tough. I mean, look, and I feel for the people who work at the club. Um, probably the last thing they wanted to hear from a segment of of fans is discontent around ownership issues as on the eve of a season. But, um, yeah, and I know some people might not care 
uh, out there. It's, you know, owners are owners and, you know, everyone, there's a case to be made that no one's nose is clean out there in football ownership land, if, 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 if you might put it that way. But I don't know, if I was an employee at a club, I'd want to know uh, about these things as well. Um, and look, uh, it's, it's, it's all an ongoing story we said to Paul we'd want to keep it going but yeah um let's let's move on to what's ahead on our docket for this evening chaps shall we um there's a lot there's a lot to go through from a player personnel perspective changes on the pitch off the pitch there's also a heap to cover in terms of membership, the the Afghan women, we'll go and run through the signings and the NPL three and and all these things. But I think where we need to start is 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 with Tony Popovich and the changes, the sweeping changes, I might add, that have been made to his back room because Tony Popovich, and we're led to believe, uh, it was very much sort of in the position potentially where his tenure at the club at the end of last season was in under serious sort of consideration. That's what we're led to believe. But he's made some changes, boys. Davide Del Giovini has joined the coaching staff as well as Arthur Dillis. Now, Dillis joins as an assistant from Newcastle. They've worked together in the past. Uh, together, uh, Popovich and Dillis, and Del Giovini takes over as head of goalkeeping coaching from the Wanderers. Is this just shuffling the deck chairs, boys, on the uh, MVFC Titanic? Are we going to see some recharged energy from that back room? Um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think the club had to be seen to do something. And once it became clear that Tony wasn't going anywhere, you, you probably shuffle a few things around him. Um, yeah, so Tony's worked with both of these guys before because um, Del Giovanni was, was been at the Wanderers for a number of years, yeah? Did, would he have crossed over with 2015? Would that have, he would have crossed over maybe? Uh, not so sure, but either way, it seems like blokes that it's eight years, yeah, yeah, it's, it's blokes that Popper knows seemingly. So, I guess we'll see how it goes. Really, he doesn't have any more ex um players really to pull from, so he's getting his assistance now. Um, no more Xanthi players he could bring over, so he'll bring his ex Xanthi staff with him. Um, that's just how Tony rolls. So, um, best of luck to them. Best of luck. Um, I didn't really see anything amazing from the Jets in Dillis' time there. Um, seems like we have a new goalkeeping coach every couple of years at the victory. Um, hopefully him and Izzo work well together. Good luck. Good luck. Yep. yep. I, I heard a rumour that Tony asked to leave. Yeah, that's what I was hinting towards and was hoping one of yeah. you guys would pick up what I was putting down there. <laughs> I was, was going to let Bud to take that one. Yeah, so go on, mate. Uh, tell everyone. Well, the the rumour, and it's not, you know, I didn't make this up, and um, this has been going around for a little while, is that, you know, Tony could see the writing on the wall that there was, you know, nothing coming in for this year and no resources and, you know, a trip. Uh, Bit of a, a triple seven fairy tale happening before our eyes in Melbourne, and you know, offered to get mutual, and um, we got no money to get mutual, so he stays. Cash, no, no cash, no cash, Robo. Yeah, look, I mean, we have to be in some ways realistic about these things, given you know the the spend from the season prior um with Lewis Nani and and various other things um but look we just came away from our third bottom to finish in four years and once again also had to play off in an Australia Cup qualifier which is frankly embarrassing um for 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 a club like uh, in, of our in supposed Darwin. stature yeah in and Darwin. and that's and that's what I want to um jump on to now uh, because if you consider the, the the bottom two finishes, as I said, 
third time we've finished in the bottom two in four seasons. We are in, in a slump <laughs> of some magnitude. So the Australia Cup, one piece of potential silverware, the, the I guess the also the one piece that uh, Tony Popovich can uh, lay claim to, um, we were knocked out by the Newcastle Jets on pens. Now, I actually, yeah, it was a while ago since this game took place, gents, but I think we expected to exit given the, the squad that we selected on the night, but it was actually a, a spirited performance. I don't want to go back and, and dwell on the whole game because it was such a long time ago, but we took it to pens uh, and there were some notable performances from youngsters. I, t- I, I, look, I literally turned off on 90 minutes and missed it. I missed all the action. Naughty boy. <laughs> That's right. You and the group chat. Yeah. Is it still going? Yeah, mate. It's going yeah. to pens. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was surprised, given the, the the previous qualifying cup run where it kept going to pens. I'm surprised you went to bed. But yeah, late drama. What Nish and Will Wilson? Um, yeah. At, at and, the death yeah. there. X so, X Vuck Will Wilson. Yeah. Geez, I'm sure we'll talk about that. We a will bit talk later about on, that. Or do you I want mean, to talk about it now? <laughs> Yeah, we can. I mean, look, uh, Franco Lino is the um, young left back who I, I, that was the highlight for me for that game. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play this season. I would love for us to actually start the kid from mm-hmm. from, from where to go. But, um, yeah, Will Wilson, the departure, it, it, it was troubling. And it came at a time when you're supposed to be announcing arrivals, not departures, clearly some sort of rift happened between Wilson's team and the status quo in the football department of Melbourne Victory. Whether it's to do with opportunities at the club or I've seen John to talk about the lack of loan options and... I think we all surmised at the time that Will Wilson probably sort of would have been suggesting that he needs more first-team football, and I think most fans would have probably supported that notion, maybe not as a starter week in, week out, but certainly a regular fixture. Anything more to read into this, guys? I mean, as I said, timing was bad. He's a product of our own that we've now lost to another A-League club the uh, current champions, no less. Uh, where do we go from here when it comes to Will Wilson? Well, he's probably better off at Central Coast with their history of developing youth, to be honest. But uh, look, it's it's a very strange one. Um, you would have thought that there would have been more opportunities for him this season, or there, at least there should be, um, given what we saw of him at the back of last season. Um and it's it started that way, but then he was then he was just gone. Like it's just crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Will Wilson's the the product of you know when you're so bad over sort of over the journey. There's been periods where Victor being so bad, and we look at someone and we're like, oh, why did we let him go? He was you know Anthony Lesiota springs to mind. Like oh, a young kid, maybe he's a bit of that, but it's just seems strange that we're just letting kids we're just we're not being able to identify talent and keep it it's it's so strange it's and i read um in in joey lynch's article <clears throat> was it where uh there was a a bit from Didelitzer in there that um some of it didn't make sense i think it was just the way it had been picked up the script but it it reminded me of Remember when we um, spoke to Drew Sherman, and Drew oh, Sherman did. said, yeah. and Drew Sherman said that the, um, and it was really odd just to hear him say it that the Melbourne Victory Academy, like it's it's the the aim of bringing the players through is not actually to get them to the Melbourne Victory first team. It's to just get them ready for senior football and give them the opportunity to play anywhere. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it kind of 
sounded like that again with what uh, Didalitza said about Will Wilson. And it was just clear that, you know, you sign a kid and then tell him he's not going to be in the first team, first team minutes after finishing last season with this mantra that the club's going to turn a leaf and focus on youth. None of it made sense. Uh, throw into the mix also the fact that it, uh, some of the Wilson clan were quite trigger happy on social media, liking certain posts referring to the club's decision in a negative way. So there was a few of those things happening. Uh, so I suspect there's some bad blood that happened there. But look, I guess you can say that the club has offset his departure with the arrival of Ryan Teague and Fabian Monge, who we're going to christen with uh, Monge the Vuck uh, this season, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> we will probably leave Will Wilson there and await for the inevitable goal that he scores against us once <laughs> the season kicks off. But let's talk about the fixtures and the season that is about to kick off. Now, we're going to cover in our season preview, probably a week before the season starts, in a lot more depth about where we think things will happen for us tactically on the park, what personnel will be rolled out, what's the first choice team, what are some of our predictions, things like that. But the, the men's and women's fixtures have been confirmed some interesting highlights out of there, gents. I think the the, the women's team kick off uh, against Brisbane in about a month's time, in, on the 15th of October, and the, Jeff Hopkins and his side have 11 home matches in total this season, uh, and three of those come as double headers, uh, those double headers being against Adelaide, Canberra, and Sydney. So there's a lot of conjecture being thrown around these double headers, gents. Do you do you have any sort of takes on them? It's from a family perspective, it was seen to be hard work to to stick around for both games. Is that still likely to be the case? Yeah, I don't think anything's going to change for the people that don't particularly like the the double headers. It is it is a long day. Um just in general, but maybe you're taking a, a young kid with you or, or something like that. You know, you're not going to get through two full games of football. Not a chance. Um, I understand what they're trying to do um, by giving the women a platform but um, and sort of get more eyes on them and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think they work. It's hard. It is, yeah. As for the men's, uh, 13 home matches this season. Uh, and we have two home fixtures against Adelaide United, one in November and one in December. That's one of those oddities of the A-League fixture that we've all come to love over the years, how lopsided it can be and, and how weird it can be. And there is a, a doubleheader away Christmas derby, um, Saturday, December 23rd. But look, it's it's all it's all coming pretty quickly. And look, while we're talking about Jeff Hopkins' side and the women's side, let's briefly touch on the fact that they have some new digs, gentlemen, at La Trobe University, which is actually the home of the Matildas, correct? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <clears throat> unbelievable. Um... It's big. Yeah, it's an it's an unbelievable uh, facility, and it's going to be free for punters as well to go and watch. Um, I tell you what, over the road, just down the road, actually. Yeah, it's a little bit down the road, but there's an awesome um, at the hockey the hockey fields there, just next to the high school. There's an awesome barn me food truck that's always there in the car park. It's mad. Hit that up before you uh go to the. To the what games and uh, you'll be happy. Um, it's on the uh, it's on the eighty six tram line as well, so that's a that's a good one as well. Very easy to get to for punters. A uh, bit of north side action. I think it's great. Um, you know, your typical uh, NSL bidders were telling us that you know we're taking <laughs> public 
public facilities away, but it's not a fucking public facility, you numbskulls. Um, it's private, and the club's obviously struck a deal, and it's awesome. So, I'm on the fuck, I'm on the whack. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, the, the women have been shifted around to sort of some pretty, pretty average facilities over the over the journey for for Melbourne Victory, and um, this is this is they deserve this. They deserve the use of these facilities, and and um. No, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's close for us, Budza. Yeah, it's sick. It's it's actually it's it's really really good. Um, you can go and play mini golf afterwards as well. Um, unfortunately, my driving range was uh, decapitated um, because Latrobe took the land back and um, built this facility. But I, I'd love to go back there and and have a good look. I think it's uh, it's superb for everyone. One thing I will say, just to hark back to the double headers, the only reason I don't like them is if it's a... Um, if we're going to have a day in the high 30s and the girls have got to play again at like, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, mm. 36 degree day, I hope I hope it's not this situation again uh, rearing its head because, my goodness, um, some of the... the, the shit conditions that they've had to play in over the last few years has just been insane. So ho- hopefully we've learnt. But in Australian domestic football, who knows? Learnings aren't a uh, learnings aren't part of the the repertoire. Yeah, lovely gents. And let's let's get on to the ins and outs of the A League women's side. Uh there's been a lot of movement Leaving the club, Melina Ayres, Claudia Bunge, Zimmerman, Casey Dumont, Tatham, Leah Coppolis, so quite a few exits. However, incoming, Lydia Williams, Ella O'Grady, Correa Okino, who was the NPL gold medal, uh, NPL women's players player, and Golden Boot, Jamila Rankin also arrives, Rachel Lowe, Emma Checker, Tori Hansen, and Mackenzie. Someone, some players have also re-signed, gents. Uh, someone want to go through the big list. So even though we did lose a few and there have been some new arrivals, we also have uh, re-signed a few players. Go on. Yeah, so Paige Zoyce returns, Curtis is back, uh, Brutus is back, uh, Elise Callan-Knight is back, coming off that injury, Murphy's back, Leah Privatelli's back, Kayla Morrison signed a new deal. So, look, we've we've lost a few, you know, vucks that have been, uh, that have been around a while, but we've re-signed a good spine and we've got some pretty exciting new additions to the team. I mean... Uh, Casey Dumont's a massive loss. Um, she's obviously gone off to play AFLW now, and and um, we wish her all the success. Um, she leaves a, a WAC legend, um, but we've replaced it with Lydia Williams, you know, ex Socceroos goalkeeper. It's um, it's a massive signing. It's it's exciting. It was an amazing um, bit of media to for the club to release. I think it was a pretty. Um, a unanimous bad mood when we uh through the whole fan base when everyone saw that um Casey Dumont had accepted the uh the deal with Hawthorne mm. to you know renew there and and not not pick uh the wack up again and um yeah to to get a um a Matilda's goalkeeper in her place is um it's super it'll um It'll definitely keep the girls in good stead, and Hopkins has got a serious list to play with again. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this season, and hopefully, um, you know, the the women's game and the WAC in particular um, has all the growth in the world on off the back of what's been an, an amazing year so far for the women's game in this country. Yeah, it's been brilliant, and another thing that we can add to the brilliant column is the fact that the Afghan women have been promoted uh, two seasons running. Probably the the feel-good story of Melbourne victory in the last couple of years, this whole initiative, and it's just been wonderful to watch their star 
and stock rise over these past two seasons in the um, Victorian leagues, gents? Yeah, well, there's there's not a lot of that's been able to be taken pride in with this club over the last sort of little period. But um, the WAC and 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 the Afghan Women's National Team, that's initiative and sponsorship. It's um, it's really done incredible things for for them, and, and um, I'm just so happy for them and and everyone involved who's who's got that double promotion. It's massive. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's switch track back to A-League men's. Let's talk about the ins and outs and we'll incorporate some of the friendly results that have happened to date. But the the signings, boys, everyone wants to know about the signings. And I think that the, the expectation for anyone that's had their ear close to the ground and understanding of the terrain, I think it was always going to be the case that New arrivals were going to be relatively low-key, and we've seen that initiative coupled with promotion of quite a few youngsters and scholarship players. But I'll run through the ins, and then we'll just sit on those for a bit and discuss them. First of all, Daniel Arzani, Zinedine Makak, Fabian Monge, Adama Traore, and Ryan Teague. So we get on to the players that we have re-signed, which is, I think is an also an important category. But let's quickly go through some of these arrivals. Now, Arzani was early on in the piece, happened quite some time ago, and uh, mm. caused controversy, <laughs> even yep. among the three of us. Now, yep. there's a lot to be said about whether this is a good signing or not, um, you know, ex-City, all of those usual topics now i know clark you love to take the view that it's great because as you like to say it's gonna boil the piss of the, <laughs> the fans of other clubs and that this is this is a big thing for you me i don't care yeah. so much about what other clubs think i where we can i want to avoid former cfg players yeah. but i'm willing to make an exception in in this instance purely because of just how much of a prodigious talent he has been and i want to underscore those lines is he a has been or are we about to witness the renaissance of one daniel arzani clarky well he very well could be a has been i think this is his this is his probably his last chance um before most people jump off him um it's a speculative signing but I, I see not a lot of downside in it. If it doesn't work, we we piss him off. I don't think we're paying him that much. Um, if he works out, we know what he's capable of when he when he's playing well. And he showed moments in a pretty poor MacArthur side last year. Um, and he started pretty well in preseason. And I know it's preseason, but I, I don't hate it. If you'd have told me a few years ago that Melbourne Victory would have Bruno Fornaroli and Daniel Arzani playing in the same team, probably in the same starting 11 for Melbourne victory in 2024. Uh, I would have asked you to hand over whatever gear you're on. But uh, now that it's happened, what have we got to lose? Like I'm, I'm for it. Let's go. Yeah. I think um, has been at 24 years old is un unreal areas. Um, it is Australian football areas, though. Oh, unbelievable! Um, mm. Pasquale Patafta. Oh, the, the list. list goes on. But look, with this kid, and when he was at uh, City, I don't know. Some of the football he played was insane. It was some some of the best you you'll see from a um, mm -hmm. a kid in this league. Uh, we probably hadn't seen a kid do the things that he did. It was very short-lived, and he probably went over too early. He did what a lot of kids do, went over too early. Um, he, he definitely didn't. Chrissy Theohara said it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he had some bad injuries, like some seriously bad injuries. And, um, yeah, he's had to swallow his pride, come back, and, you know, he probably wanted out of MacArthur. And hopefully he comes here and enjoys his football and he's settled. Um, I'm... I'm 
eager to see what he can do. I'm eager to see him, you know, link up with Fauna Rowley again. Uh, I think that's probably I might jump ahead. Unfortunately, I think that's probably the the big disappointment for me. The way that the squad's been structured, that we're going to be going in with Bruno Fornaroli as our our number one target man up forward again. That's probably where I've, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. with it. But you know, off his effort last year, you couldn't knock us keeping him. But yeah, to to have him as our you know striker and only probably recognised striker in the side is concerning. It's concerning, but on Arzani, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I think there's you know what there's nothing to lose. There's literally nothing to lose. Um, Say la vie, like it's it it's like he if he if he you know fails here, we're probably going to be shit anyway, and he just goes to another A League club. Yeah, uh, his body is a, is another question. And look, I want all of my doubts dispelled. I want that anguish of now being the club that has to churn through CFG sloppy seconds. I want that to be disinfected <laughs> by the raging success of that, that Daniel Arzani will have to be a part of. If we are to make waves this season, he has to be a critical part of that, a critical component yeah. in that front third because Economides is the other one on likely to be on the other side of, of that flank, on the other flank. So... Oh, look, um, I just, yeah, uh, look, I want it to, to be a success. But, look, we'll, we'll, um, we'll reserve judgment and, and, and shift our attention to Zinedine Machach, or as I like to call him, Discount Zizou. Um, <laughs> what's the, I mean, hasn't really featured a great deal yet, I think. Um, I mean, I haven't caught... Got a start against Heidelberg, and that was yep. his first start. Um, yep. So, yeah, look. And that was the one behind closed doors, wasn't it? So Yeah. Which yeah, um, that hopefully that's the only time that happens um, this coming preseason. But, yeah, look, I mean, when you look at our midfield, and, you know, the, we'll talk about the departures, very significant. But given the recruitment, to me it's obvious that centrally – the trio is likely to be Machach, and we'll figure out how best to pronounce that soon enough. Bruma and and Mark San. Uh, yeah, it seems it stands to reason that that's the the three that we go through, assuming we sort of keep a, a four three three or a four two three one. So, yeah. Um, any any thoughts on Machach, boys? Wait and Not see. Really. It seems like a it seems like a, a fiery customer. I think he's had some run ins with mm. on pitches and I think he's had run-ins with coaches and stuff. So we'll see. Um, All right. Yeah. Fabian Monge, Adama Traore. Let's only spend a couple seconds on these guys. They both have come to us from Western Sydney Wanderers. Well, of course, Adama's come back for his uh, third stint. Um, the, the legacy uh, it can potentially be tarnished in some ways when that happens. Uh, but we still love Trev. We still love him. But, mm. yeah, as I mentioned Lino earlier, who I'd rather see us invest time into. But any any thoughts on the arrival or re-arrival of Adama? Sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. It I'm sucks. not stoked on it. No. It seems to be a real shortage of left left-sided um, players uh, around the country that people are willing to invest in, and that's why I really I, I look around. Um, you know, we we saw Boss at City and 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 various other clubs sort of just throw kids into these positions when there is that shortage, and it's worked out well. Um, I think. It's time for, for Lino to be that guy. And what, what we did see under the bright lights in that Australia Cup uh, playoff was encouraging. So Monge, I think, will be, you know, a, a backup midfield option. Seems to be getting quite a bit of game time in these preseason fixtures. And Ryan Teague was the one to arrive most recently. Now, Ryan Teague is a name 
that is well known to any football manager fanboy. Always a good <laughs> pickup because he he he's playing in this for this obscure club in Portugal. And as an Australian, he's one one of those ones that you sort of pick up on the cheap when you're building your A-League side in, in football manager and has some good stats, not that that has anything to do with... I'll tell anything, you what's unbelievable. Oli Roos level player. Go on, mate. His accent. It is. It's so weird. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Just so describe Google it. You're and... good at accents, mate. You Describe oh, it. I, I, is I it, is it like when the Aussie kids... Um, spend so much time around walls, like you know Matt Ryan. No, and, no, no, you know, no, no, no. It's, it's nothing something, like something that. else. It's, it's left field. It's really bizarre. It's not even like remember when is it like a Milligan uh, sort of? Nah, nah. It's no. it's completely unique. It's even it's as weird wow. as when um, James Troisi was playing in Belgium and put on a bit of a French kind of accent so that they could understand him a bit better. Um, track that interview down. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah th- this is this is he's unique. He's he's got oh, his own. He's got his he's got his own shtick going on. Are you um, saying he's in a teague uh, of his own, eh, mate? So. Oh, wow. I think wow. we need the club to give us the um the stingers <laughs> based on this accent. Yes, I think uh, we the, want the to. Punters will want to hear it. So we Alex want a teague stinger this year. We definitely want another Kayla Ann Morrison one this year because that was my favourite by a mile. Um, but Ollie Roo, Ryan Teague, loving life at the Maurice Rivello. Look up that, um, look up that interview. It's great. Um, I'm really looking forward to what some of the youth will bring this year. It's great. He's got, he's got the pedigree and I should say with, with Monge and, and Teague, they're, they're not kids anymore either. Like I, when I mentioned scholarship players or players that have been promoted from the academy, I'm not talking about these guys. These guys are coming in as A-League squad fillers, you know? So Monge and, and, and Teague will both be fighting for a position in that midfield, or Tony Popovich's midfield. But let's talk about the outs because the first one that I want to talk about is Captain Courageous, also from that midfield of last season, Josh Brillante. Now, this is, I mean, I think we kind of covered his departure or maybe, or we just talked about it. But I think we were so desperate to get him off our books, we offered to pay some of the wages. Uh, mm-hmm. where's, that, that's the, the word on the street. Where did it, it must have been a falling out uh, internally at the club between he and Popper, potentially others. What do you reckon, boys? I don't know. I just I saw a player that didn't give a shit from very early mm, on in last yep. season um, as a captain and in a position that we basically – the, the first signs that we were in trouble last season were when teams were just waltzing through our central midfield. And he was a huge part of that. Um, and his interviews just got worse. His lack of leadership just got worse. And and I think when the club was so rotten and broken in so many different ways last year, you just had to get rid of him. Um, he wanted to go. We didn't want to have him. Just, just go. Like Yeah, he put in some of his performance. <laughs> yeah, look, he's... he's- most of his season was easily the worst from a Melbourne victory captain I think we've ever seen. And he just clearly wanted out and the club were happy for him to leave and that was that. I hope it's not too much of the Caps wages, but that's two disgruntled midfielders, um, you know, seemingly leaving or falling out with the um, the gaffer uh, in Brillante and Will Wilson. The others to leave in defence. George Timotheu, who went off to Gungalin United, um, and Cadete, who's gone off to George. I love that he's gone to Dinamo Tbilisi because this is classic sort of Soviet era club, legendary club, you know, Shota Avaladze and <laughs> play, play, yeah. players like that. Then, and it's like, wasn't he at Kazakhstan? Yes. So, I like Cadet, even though he was with us for that one season, I like the cut of his jib. He's doing this like obscure football world tour where he's gone from Kazakhstan to Australia to Dinamo Tbilisi 
and it's, it's, it's really wild. I love it. I love it. Um, you see with Cadete, that's um, now both of our um, FES exclusive unveilings have been a one and done season. Never again. <laughs> Never again. No, we're, we're, we're a curse and we're, we're not going to do that again. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, Gun, Gun Garland, I was like, where the hell is that? But Timothy has gone into the ACT league. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, it has more of a ring of um, Indonesia to it or something, doesn't it? Oh, I was like, Gun is Garland. that like a, you know, is that the, like the, the Northern Irish second division or something like that? But um. He's going back yeah, home, he's... back to the ACT. Oh, good, good luck to him. Yeah, that keeping was, his um... keeping his um keeping his options open from when uh, when Canberra comes into the league. Mm. Yeah, oh, I well. don't think he'll play pro football again. Sadly. <laughs> All right, now let's run the rule over the players that have been re-signed or promoted. Let's talk about those ones re-signed first. Firstly, Lee Broxham, Roderick Miranda. That's it, I think. <laughs> um, the the rest are academy players. I know that Jordi Valadon, Josh and Sarah, Ahmed Taleb, Franco Lino, who we've talked about, Christian Siciliano, We've seen these guys in dispatches here and there, whether it's for the youth side or representing the senior side, uh, as we saw in that Australia Cup playoff. I like that we're doing this. A hand is almost being forced, and we'll talk more about this in our season preview pod, but the, the, the squad composition is much more skewed towards these types of players this season. It's the first time probably since season one where there's, I guess, if there's one or two injuries, we're, we're dipping in into these players mm. who are our, our product. There's there's no avoiding it. There's, I mean, everyone can make the joke that, oh, you know, Will Wilson's spot's going to be taken by Lee Broxham. Um and that might happen, but and it will. Uh, um, <laughs> but I, I have a feeling that we're going to see a fair bit of Jordi Valadon, Franco Lino in particular, because there's positions, the, the positions that they play, uh, there's availability there. I think Ahmed Taleb and uh, Siciliano, the keepers, will probably be warming the bench behind Paul Izzo. But there's opportunities there, I think, for um, Insera at the back. So Mozanovsky mm-hmm. is another one who, you know, because obviously yep. Miranda and Danny De Silva are the locked in, in center halves. And I actually think that the back four is, is still pretty good. You throw Jason Gary at right back and then one of Lino and Treor at left back. It's it's going to be competitive. It's just about getting the um, the balance right there. But we'll get into look, that let's, more. And look, let's also... You know, finally have one of these seasons where we don't have to dip our toe into the third and fourth, um, you know, fourth choice of any of the lines. Mm. Like, let's fucking finally have a Melbourne victory season where we're not ravaged by injury early. Um, I suppose the only good That'd thing nice. about not getting a big, big marquee signing is that they can't be injured early. They're not, they're not suffering the Melbourne victory marquee curse. Yeah, that's that's um that's one that's silver lining. So the the friendly performances, no, never too much to read into those performances, but you know, positive on the whole. Four nil against Northcote, six nil against Dandy City, three nil against Heidelberg. There's a there's some interesting names dotted throughout the the scorers lists of these games, but some good youngsters as well. But look, Falami, Fornaroli scoring, Eli Adams is, is getting on the score sheet. Uh, a couple of other names like Razmovsky and McCluskey, Menelau as well. There's, there's some talent there. It'll be interesting to see how much Tony dips in to that talent bin, gents. All right, let's close things off and talk back room in the boardroom area. Let's talk about favourite son, Carl Valeri. 
appointed to the Melbourne Victory Board. Uh, that was ratified, uh, and I think he, even though it was talked about some time back, it was sort of formalised, I think, more recently. I think, you know, his playing credentials and his stature at the club, that speaks for itself. What do you think he can offer up to the board, boys? I think he can probably offer up some identity and some some actual integrity um, because that's kind of how Carl played on the pitch and he's managed to stay around victory sort of post-playing career and I think he's done a pretty good job in a couple of roles that he's been in. He's a good bloke. He understands football he understands football clubs in this country and not just victory he he understands how stuff should be so i think it's a good i think it's a good appointment i think it's well deserved and it's it's nice to have a, a, a bloke that i call a vuck there yeah yeah legendary vuck player and um still involved at grassroots um as well down at gizzy commu- yeah yeah community club too so hopefully just you know puts a bit of um Football now on the board. Indeed, indeed. Now, other arrivals at board level. We talked about John Doverston when Di Pietro departed. He's the new chairman, but and I'll be interested to see if he takes on you know a profile of the same kind as Di Pietro, or if he's more of a hands-off type chairman. That will remain to be seen, but. Uh, PFD Foods, who have long been involved with the club, Buds are uh, Kerry Smith, who was the CEO over at PFD Foods, and I'm bringing you in because this is your world professionally. She's come on to the board of directors. What can you tell us about Kerry? Uh, I've I've met Kerry before. Um, oh, I used to... look at you. Yes. Um, I used to work for a... Um, a um, uh, let's say an arm of PFD. Um, and Kerry is extremely successful and Kerry knows how to, let's say, uh, win and get lots of wins and, um, run a tight ship. So, um, what she doesn't know about football, which I actually don't know that. I don't know how, clued on she is about football but she absolutely knows how to run a business and a massive one at that uh in the food service game there is no bigger than pfd in this country um they cover every single blade of grass and dirt um patch of dirt in this country so um it will be interesting to see what she does there um uh that's that's about as much as i can say about that one um I'm probably, not sure. Probably well, the, m- a lot more than either of us, uh, Clarky and I, are looking at this and just going, "Yeah, this sounds like he knows what he's talking about." Um, the the board, mon, mon the foods. Yeah, the the look. Hopefully, um, hopefully she can uh, sort out the Amy Park Tuck Shop situation uh, first. Mm. Right? The the canteens need a uh, the canteens need an upgrade there, and um, yeah, look, I, I don't think the board could probably be any less fractured or dysfunctional than it probably was by the end of um, the Richard Wilson versus Anthony Pietro versus whatever else was going on in the board um, reigned there because um, it was clear uh, to everybody that um, has been around the club for a long time that there was some things that weren't working there. We don't know what they were, but... Um, the state of the club speaks for itself. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, as we've sort of mentioned, but we'll close off in mentioning now, that was our season pre-season. <laughs> How would you call it? Like overview of things that have happened uh, to bring you all up to speed. We will be providing you with our full season preview predictions and everything else probably a week leading up to round one. So that's in about a couple of weeks time. It's closing in pretty quickly. Is it not gents? Mm, absolutely. It is. Have you got your Paramount subscription sorted? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this, and uh, I'm not even worried about it this year. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, used, I used to get like 
uh, antsy, not antsy, but you know, I used to, you know, make sure I was organized, make sure I had everything signed up, make mm. sure I got my codes early, make sure this, make sure that. And I've, I've looked, I've looked at the TV schedule and the amount of games that I will need Paramount for. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can deal without this. I can, I can find a way. Because yeah. I literally don't, I don't, I don't watch it for anything. There is nothing else on it that interests yeah. me at Same. all. I've, I, I did two years of it, and literally, not even the kids shows or anything for the little one. It's, it's, it's no there's good. Been, and there's been no, no improvement, has there, Clarky? Like, no, no one. At, at won't least be. if there was a, a roadmap where you could sort of envisage that the product that you're paying for is actually up to scratch. Uh, that just simply hasn't come to fruition. We haven't seen the league, the APL, talk about what they're doing to improve the space. We've seen Robbie Slater come out strongly a few days ago talking about how much of a mess the broadcasting situation is. And, yeah, that was that was weird because it was hard to disagree with the man mm-hmm. for once, but... Robbie I mean, does it, like to throw a stone or two, doesn't he? The, the APL, if they're proud of their product, and we see a lot of peacocking around, um, you know, social media about metrics and how many people mm. are engaging with the A leagues and and all of this. I've seen it, seen a lot of this. Put it on a better product, then give us give us something that actually resembles a professional broadcast now the people that are involved in delivering the match is great it's just that the product the application sucks and we've told you it sucks a failure from day dot yeah delivery is a failure (sighs) people wouldn't care if it just like clicked on for kickoff and then clicked off but you can't even do that it it's subpar delivery and and look I'll slag the APL on a lot of things, but they're at the mercy of CBS Paramount on this one. And and they don't, Paramount just don't seem to be doing anything. And quite frankly, the APL probably doesn't have a ton of leverage either, given the way last season went and the uh, grand final and the decision and then the subsequent failure of the Festival of Football, because it's, let's talk about that just quickly. That, that was a failure. Um, and it, look, it's being renegotiated. So we hear. Um, yeah, con- digital content sucks, and delivery of product sucks. Um, and even it's just, it's going to continue this season. So I think that's going to change the minds of a lot of people, though, Clarky. The, the 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 discontent out there, and I'll put myself in this camp, created around that grand final decision. If the APL owned it and back down and promise never to do that again, that kind of thing, it would go a long way at least to, I guess, just simmering things down and, you know, getting people back engaged with the product um, coming through the turnstiles as well. Uh, Danny Townsend apparently on his way out. Um, Yeah, well... Good job, Danny. In the fullness of time. Yeah, we have, have we oh, just, yeah, uh, we, we spent enough time talking about that dickhead last season. <laughs> um, I think it's that's a, a it's good a, it's a, look. It's a, it's a real thing here. You make, you make as a, as a chairman, you make terrible decisions on, on behalf of your, um, your key stakeholders and then, um, you flee. Probably ending up somewhere in the, the halls of CFG, where he belongs. All right. I think that's where we'll leave it, gentlemen. It's just wonderful to see you both twice in the space of a week. And look at this content. Don't get used to it, punters. We're, it's, just, it's not It's not going to be two pods a week uh, every week. But, no, we're just happy to be back doing this. Can't wait for the football to kick off in earnest and properly. Uh, hopefully see you all around the terraces. Mon the Vak. Mon the Vak. Fuck 777. <laughs>